This is Reset and can be found at mccabe.io. I'll be talking about anything that plugs in or takes batteries, mostly home automation, networking, home storage, and I'll be bringing some friends along. Reset was inspired by a bent paperclip that's sat on my desk for years. It reminds me that no matter how much we mess something up, there's usually a reset button. Let's get started. Welcome back to Reset, everybody. I'm your host, David McCabe. Again, you can find me at Twitter, McCabe.io. Actually, the website is McCabe.io. The Twitter is McCabe.io. All right, so I've got a lot to talk to you about this episode. A lot of exciting stuff has happened to me, and I want to share it with you. And some crazy stuff has happened to me. I don't know if I'll get it all in one episode. I may push it out to the next episode. But that will be after spring break. And I'll fill you in on that probably on my Twitter account. So if you would like to follow my antics and my travels, you may do so at Twitter McCabe.io. It's a great, I I enjoy Twitter for that reason right there. Finding and following people that I am genuinely interested in and the news and the topics I am interested in, which does not entail government and religion and all that stuff. I let you guys talk about that. I will just talk about tech, travel, and having a good time and doing the kid thing. So uh, speaking of kid thing, it's going to get really, really crazy around here. I've got my baseball team. I'm assisting again this year. I didn't get a full coaching position because, darn it, my kid is too good at baseball and he qualified you know for some of the upper level league and I'm not ready to coach that league I know my limitations and but I love to assist so I'm going to be assisting baseball again which I just just love doing I love coaching the kids I love I love playing the game I loved being in the game when I was younger so I hope that uh, my son doesn't look back and say, oh my God, my dad's coaching me. All right, let's move on. Let's get into reset and why we are here. And first of all, I have to thank all my new patrons. Uh, Tony M. I'm not going to pronounce your last name. I'm not even going to try. But Tony M., thank you very much for being a patron. Now, there's a lot of people that are not getting recognized here for, on, on on Patreon because uh being patreon.com and that is in uh, the homeservershow.com slash forums has a donating member club and if those guys donated via you know some guys wrote checks to me at one point way back in the day or most of it was paypal and those guys got to become uh, members donating donating members of that forum and i'm not asking them to get re-recognized by donating to patron but if you go out there to those forums and you see people with a green tag, another name, that's them. Those guys helped as well. But Tony M., thank you very much uh, for doing that. Patron is so important to me right now. And you, I don't know if you really realize why it is so. Because there, there's this new era of browser control that I even take uh, advantage of as well. And I use... What do I use? What's this thing called? It is called uBlock Origin. It will block ads and bad stuff on the websites that you go to. 
It does. It works really well. I use it. I do not fault anybody for using it. However, when you go to some of your favorite sites and if you jump off of a link and go out to Amazon or go out to Newegg, browser blocking software like uBlock Origin will block the JavaScript that I need in order to monetize that link when you go out to buy a hard drive at Amazon. You may think you're helping, but your blocker just stripped off that JavaScript and did not allow it to run. So you don't, uh, you're helping Amazon, but you're not helping those creators. And I say that because there's many creators out there like Jim Collison and Richard Gunther and Josh Pollard, all these podcasters and bloggers, it hurts them too. Now, granted, that's, it's a, it's a fact of life. It's no big deal. But so we come up with this patron thing and you can, Tell people that, yes, I support you and you make stuff that I like and follow and you give them a dollar a month or $2 a month or $2 per podcast or however you choose to do so. And but I just want to let you know about that uBlock Origin thing. So you go to that creator's website and you click uBlock Origin. And you say, I trust your website. Now, we have to earn your trust first. And I've been called to the carpet on this before by some uh, forums members and yeah, see, I don't, I don't follow you. I don't put cookies on your machine. I just, I run WordPress and a forum software. Whatever they do, I put on your site, right? It holds your login. That's pretty much it. I don't, I don't do anything nefarious. I'm not Dr. Nefario. So just saying that, if you unblock homeservershow.com, if you unblock mccabe.io, all those websites that you go to, you're going to help those guys out. So I'm saying this for everybody out there. Uh, help them out. Help them out. Now, I'm working on a small token of appreciation for my patrons. That is, honestly, it's not listed on the rewards page. On the If, if you subscribe to Patreon, patreon.com slash David McCabe. If you go to that, there's rewards out there. And it's the first reward, it says, if you give any type of monetary uh, feedback to me via Patreon, I'm going to give you a shout out, right? I, I say thank you on the air. And that's a cool thing, because I know that was cool for me way back in the day. But I list out there all my rewards that I'm going to do for you. Now, one I didn't list is what I'm going to do just... I don't know. I'm just doing it because I want to. I want to make a sticker. And I want you to slap it on every bumper you find. No, I don't want it on your bumper. Maybe on your laptop, back of your phone case. I I don't know. Whatever you want to do with it. So what I'm going to do for all the patrons from today on out, whenever, if you're on my patron list right now, you're going to get a sticker. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to come back from spring break. Hopefully they'll be done and ready for me to mail out. I will email all the patrons and say, hey, give me your home address because I'm coming over. No, I'm coming to dinner, but I'm going to bring you a sticker. So I'm going to give all you guys a sticker. And then everybody who joins in from this point forward, no matter what level you join in at, I want you, I want to send you a reset sticker. So we're going to do that. So that's fun. This is fun for me. I enjoy the creative part of doing so. And actually, that's going to spawn either a YouTube or a podcast on its own about how I've created this logo. I don't know if you're going to even believe the steps and the activity it took to create the reset logo. It seems so simple and easy, right? 
but he really wasn't. It was crazy. And of course, I did not save any process about how I did it. I didn't even write down the font name, guys. So I've basically had to recreate it from scratch. Yikes. Okay. That's just me shooting myself in the foot, right? Okay. So you're going to get a sticker. I totally geeked out about it. I'm excited. So join Patreon. Patreon.com slash David McCabe. I'm also moving around some websites. So I'm going to ask you a question. If anybody listening out there is like an SEO, search engine optimization, Google kind of webmaster dashboard guru, if you're an SEO expert, man, get in touch with me. I've got a question to ask to you. David at McCabe.io. I'm doing a lot of stuff, a lot of moving. Uh, I'm going to rebrand some forums and I want to... I, I don't know who to go to. I have questions. I've done some of it, but I don't know some of the repercussions of it. So this is where I've got a topic called Little Bitty Forums Update. I have moved homeautomationforums.com and surfacegeeks.net forums over to homeservershow.com forums. They're all in there. One big happy family. I don't know if we're happy yet, but we're one big family, right? So we're going to discuss all of this stuff. And it's a lot of topics in one little area. You know, we're talking just about everything. And most of all, the guys that are in this forum are storage-minded. You know, that's what's got me to where I'm, I'm at is because I do storage, home storage. And it's a lot of fun if you get into it. And there's a lot of information out there. And these are the guys that got me where I'm at. So I don't want to totally push them out by bringing in, you know, Surface and mobile and tablets and phones and all that stuff. So we're kind of diminishing the size of that. And home automation, I really hope that it really kicks off over here at the new location. So I'm really excited about that too. But I've done a lot of work to make this happen. It's taken six months. I've got an upgrade in progress right now. I do not know if I will do it prior to spring break. I tried to do it last week. I ran into some obstacles and I don't want to push it forward unless it's perfect. I do not want to lose a single bit, bite, you name it. I don't want to lose it. So let's go on with the Reset Podcast. I run across so much gear, most of which I am purchasing on my own. If I give you a link to something, I've probably purchased said device. So what I did this last time is I did a review of two Android tablets. I wanted kind of a tablet to do multiple things. One, I love the consumption part of a small 8-inch tablet. Two, I wanted to fly my drone with a tablet. So I modified my controller. It will hold an 8-inch or larger tablet and I need to buy one. So I bought an Asus ZenPad 8-inch, and I bought the NVIDIA Shield K1 tablet, which is actually a little long in the tooth. It's older, but it's still a pretty good machine in itself. So I flew with the Asus. I thought it was fine when I played with it. Uh, it was a little bloated with crap from Asus. It was, it was honestly a mess. And I flew with it, and it just would not keep up with screen changes and video. And it, it was kind of, it was a mess. The NVIDIA Shield K1 kept up with everything that I wanted it to do. 
I felt like it had a little less bloatware. It is more expensive. The Asus ZenPad came in at 129 The NVIDIA Shield K1 came in at 199 Now, compared to iPad pricing, that's not a bad deal. This is a nice little, nice little tablet with SD card slot. You name it. It's got HDMI out. So it's a nice little tablet. And I return the Asus ZenPad. I'm going to keep and fly with the NVIDIA Shield K1 tablet. And I'm also keeping it bedside to read forums. I like the Tapatalk app to read forums. Not only mine, but others. I enjoy um, reading as well. And funny story about the NVIDIA Shield. Not funny, but just freaking awesome. I was kind of lamenting my purchase of the Asus Zenpad. And I don't like returning things to, to Amazon. But I don't like to cost them money. But I thought, you know what? this It's not performing like it should. Perhaps it could be broken, right? And plus of all, I don't like it. If it was Best Buy, I would take it back. I'm not satisfied, right? You have the right as a consumer to take it back if you're not satisfied with that purchase. But still, I have reservations about returning things, but I did. So I sat there in bed. I returned um, with the Amazon app, got my RMA, you know, all that good stuff, going to mail it back tomorrow. And I thought, you know what? I still want a tablet. I'm going to order the Shield. And so I sat, sat there in bed, Ordered the NVIDIA Shield, and it was 12.02 a.m. I went ahead and checked next day delivery. I think it was even free at that point uh, on my Amazon Prime. You know, sometimes they charge you $3.99, $5.99, something like that for next day shipping. But I think, uh, you know, for some items, it's free. It's just there. They've got it. They'll give it to you. That obviously depends on your location. So, and here is where location helped me. So I'm going to get the shield the next day. Kind of geeked out about it. And I'm going to do a new YouTube, right? And I'm getting the kids ready for school. We step out to go to the bus. It's about 8 a.m. We like to step out early, throw the ball around, have some fun before the boys get on the bus. And I hear the older one say, hey, dad, there's an Amazon box here. And I'm like, what? What's this? I didn't order anything. And I ripped it open real quick. And it's the shield, the shield tablet. It's 8 a.m. It's sitting on the porch. And who knows what time this thing got there? I have no clue what time it arrived. It could have been there at 6.30 a.m. I ordered it at midnight the night prior. So, Eight hours later, I had my tablet. That's just, it's phenomenal. It's just, Amazon is amazing. I don't know how they make any money whatsoever, uh, but that that is just amazing. And that's what you get when you're uh, a Prime subscriber. So kind of cool thing there. Okay, I do not have any follow-up for you on the past two episodes. I was going to do like this smart things follow-up, but I don't need to because Richard Gunther of the Home On podcast did it for me. He interviewed me. We talked about some home automation gear. We talked about smart things, all kinds of cool stuff on his latest podcast. And I want you to go download it. Actually, I want you to do a little bit more. It is March. And with Libsyn, we're using a hashtag tripod. So T-R-Y-P-O-D. And then hashtag reset. 
And then mention podcasting. Mention the Reset Podcast. Go mention the Home On Podcast if you would like to. You don't even have to mention one of us. Just mention podcasting. Mention one of the ones you listen to or tell someone around you about podcasting and how cool it is. Introduce someone to podcasting and hey, tell them about Reset. Tell them about Home On. And go find these things in your in your podcast player. If you're not listening to Home On, it is my absolute favorite podcast. It's about home automation and it just rocks. I love it. Thank you, Richard, for having me on your show. And I can't wait to uh, maybe talk to you on a new show here at Reset. We did have Richard on. Talk, talked about lighting. It was super fun. Love doing that. Okay. I lost my phone. I know that's a big headline. So now that I got your attention, I really didn't lose my phone, but I lost it in the house, right? Have you done this? I went over this exact scenario. What was it? Episode two, where we have a flick button and you can press that button and it will send a nuclear ringtone to your phone and you can locate it. Well, I lost mine in the house, and I was pretty sure I left it in my children's room. It was the weekend, and they were both, we, we call it camping out. They were camping out in one of the boys' room, so they're both sleeping in there. And I didn't want to do anything startling, right? I, I called it, right? I did call it, but it was past a certain time at night, so it goes into... I'm not going to ring mode. Do not disturb. Now, it should ring for my home phone, but I didn't hear it. I put my ear to their door. I didn't hear it. I snuck in late at night, looked around on the floor, looked around on the dressers. I did not see the phone. I'm like, man, did I? Did it just walk off? Where? What did I do with this phone? I'm like, no big deal. I'll find it in the morning. It's no big deal at all. So I'm sitting there, I thought, wait, I can do that Android lost phone thing, right? The Android device manager, you find where your phone's at? Cool, let's do that. Log, logged in and tried to log in because it has you re-authenticate when you try to find your phone. And then it said, all right, find your phone and approve this Google login. I'm like, oh, crap. I've got two-factor authentication enabled on my account, of course. So on my phone, wherever it is in the house, bleeped and said, you know, approve this login. That's what two-factor does. I'm like, well, crap, I can't find it to approve this login. What am I going to do? I look at the other options. I can text my phone to approve it. I can call my phone to approve it. Like, you know what? My whole world is on this phone enabled with two-factor authentication. But what if I lose the phone? So I come to find out, Google has backup codes. They have 10 single-use codes that you can enable. And so I need to put one of those code codes in my wallet or something. And if I ever need this, I can use one of the single-use codes. And I can get in and I can do the find my phone. That's what I need to do. I can't believe I let this happen. But... It, it, it is what it is. I'm glad I learned before I start traveling in case something happens. Now, if you look at 
uh, find my phone via uh, the Android Google site, you can also use a security key. So that's kind of cool. You could use, I think you can use a YubiKey. I didn't delve into it quite as deep as I should. I wasn't ready to do that, actually. But I have a YubiKey laying around. I could have done that. You can also list trusted devices. Now, this is where it would have saved me, right? If I had listed a trusted device as, let's say, one of the desktops upstairs in my office. Because you can kind of trust that because it's not going to walk off as easily as a laptop, right? And if it does walk off, you can revoke that code or you can actually revoke that desktop as well as a trusted machine. So if you do find it, you can uh, you know reinvoke the trust of that. So the next morning, of course, my uh, oldest son comes out with my phone. He's like, "Hey, Dad, you left this in the bathroom." Great. <laughs> I look at it. You know, five missed calls, three missed texts, Google Authenticator timed out. All that good stuff was on there. Hey, you know what the good news is though? It's the Pixel XL. It had forty-seven percent battery which I was very happy about. And I didn't charge it all day. I went all day long and didn't plug it into the charger until that night. So that's another good thing about that phone. So if you're running Android, use the authenticator, but go out and get your codes and trust a desktop. Use the code when you're traveling, if you need to. Use the desktop trust when you need to at home. So I fail so you don't have to. How about that? Now, speaking of fails and shooting yourself in the foot, I am very good at doing that, and I want to share a situation with you. I probably, I'm going to do it in a new episode because I think I don't have enough time here today with you. It's an epic failure slash recovery of data. I spent eight years doing a podcast about backing your data up and I lost some. And I want to share that with you on the next episode. It is an epic tale that I don't even know if I can fully wrap my head around to explain to you in the detail needed about this data loss. It is, it's crazy. I can't wait to talk to you about it. We'll do that in the next ep- uh, episode. I'm sorry to do that to you. I, don't you hate that? To, yeah. Don't you hate that? I do I do too, but I, I we don't have time. We've we've got other things to do today tonight with you right now. So let's let's just keep going. And keep going we will because Windows Phone guys, if you're out there listening, I give you a hard time, right? I do. I give you a hard time. But I've got a cool story for you here. John Stutzman, a longtime uh, forums member, moderator, helper, blogger, vlogger. This guy does it all. He kind of sought some advice on the forum about, hey, I've got a busted screen. What do I do? And we, as, as a group, we came together, helped him out. And I pointed him in the direction of a screen replacement. I said, John, you can do this. You've got cool tools, right? So you can do this. And he did it. And of course he documented it for us. So I'm going to leave us, um, I'm going to leave a URL in the show notes for this episode and you can go find it. It's interesting. Now, every once in a while, I tell you about my 
issues with my Wi-Fi, my router, whatever I'm doing, I've mostly self-inflicted these issues, but I do have a couple of threads in the forums talking about Wi-Fi, talking about my cable issues. See, I have this issue with my cable company, and they like to drop the TCP IP connection of my cable modem. They don't drop the physical connection. They don't drop that layer. They just drop the stack, and I can no longer pass traffic. I've called them. They blamed it on me, of course. They blamed it on my cable modem. I bought a new cable modem. Not from them, from Amazon. This may be where I'm failing. They probably have a script that goes out every day at 3 p.m. says, if customer does not have our cable modem, drop stack, reset, right? So they will call us and buy our modem and rent it. That's what I think's going on. Because there's no reason. I, I, I don't know what's going on. So when that happens, different, well, I'm not going to say different. It was Eero. I'm going to throw Eero under the bus too while I'm at it. The Eros would freak out. And some of them, some of them would go red and freak out and lose connection. So I would drop intranet activity. So I couldn't get around on my internet work either. I'd try to get to my router. I couldn't get to my router. This happened whether the Eero was set up as access points or set up as a router. I have six of them. Granted, it's a big house. There's a lot of Eros. There's a lot of meshing going around here. But it drove me absolutely bonkers. When you just lose connection, you go over to the cable modem and it's green up and down. Oh, it just drives you crazy. Ah. So... One thing I need to do that I have not done is I'm threatening to rerun fresh cable from the outside to the inside and get this place routing again. Maybe that's it. I don't know. I changed the location of my router, which honestly does not help things at all. It extends the coaxial connection up a floor from the basement to my entertainment area where I have said cable modem but it allows me to monitor it a little physically physical monitor and that also allowed me to test different wi-fi setups and router setups i tested eero i tested almond i tested orby and i've tested this synology 2600 right now six eros sit in a chair and the Synology router is in place. And I can't tell you how impressed I am with the Synology router. I love the 1900 AC, and I love the 2600 AC. I've put an SD card in it. I'm running other apps. I have not followed up much on these apps because I've been busy, but they're running. It's gathering data, so the statistics are there for me to come back to, like intrusion prevention is what I'm talking about. I'm going to try to get the VPN setting up before I venture out into the traveling world. If I don't, no big deal. But if I do, you know, bonus cookies. But that one router with its 5.8 gigahertz and its 2.4 gigahertz signal is stretching a very 
good portion of my house that I'm not really missing the mesh of the Eros or the almonds or the lumas. Now, I have had to change some things. With the Eero, I had the added benefit of extending an Ethernet connection to places that I would like an Ethernet connection. The printer in the laundry room. The camera in the garage. You know, places like this. It also extended Wi-Fi externally to my house better because I was able to place it on edge of the house edge. So it doesn't completely fix the situation, but it is a very robust Wi-Fi access point. Now, having said that, my iPhone 6 Plus hates it. I think it hates the actual handoff portion, 5.8 to 2.4, if I get into fringe area. Mainly, I've spoken about this before. I don't like to talk about this out out loud, but the throne room. The throne room is bad. So, there is an option in the Synology router to turn off the, the handoff ability of this router to go from one frequency to the next on the same SSID intelligently. So the router handles that. It also handles beamforming. It also handles prioritized devices. It, it, it's a, an amazing piece of technology that you should go look at it. Why don't I put an Amazon link in these show notes? You will go to mccabe.io, find the episode, what is this, 20? and Or is this 19? This is 20. Find episode 20. Go to Amazon, click on the link, It should be in stock. They've had some issues with stock because it's so popular, right? It's it's not because they can't make them, right? It's popular. And you take a look at it. Take a look at it. See if you like it. I personally like it. It's it's a really neat router. I want to keep it as a router. And what I'll probably do is put the Eros back in AP mode and throw them around the house and turn the Synology wireless off. Now, I hate to do that to you, Mr. Synology Router, but I'm probably going to try that scenario one more time. I I enjoyed it with the 1900. And also what I'm going to do is I'm going to put that router back in the basement and not extend the coax up to the family room to keep an eye on it, right? I'm just going to do that and see if Eero can keep up. I may even get back in touch with Eero support. We went through it quite a bit in the past for several weeks trying to chase down uh, this phantom, what happens when the, the cable network drops its uh, connection. Why does the Eero freak out? You know, all I want to do is log into the router and see that it says limited connection, right? I just want to log in that way. But sometimes it doesn't let you because two is trying to make a connection to home, to the cloud, and says, nope, I'm down. Nobody's going to work if I can't work. You're down. So we're going to try it out. If you like this kind of discussion, please go out to homeservershow.com slash forums. And there's a lot of Wi-Fi, a lot of networking out there to uh, for you to look at. Tons of stuff. I'm getting more and more email about cord cutting and 
and that topic in general. I've got, I, how many times have I said this? I've got a cord cutting episode that I want to record, and I think it's almost time to do so. I may wait for this new topic to come out a little a little more. It's YouTube TV. I'm not going to hold it back here. Um, YouTube TV is a pay YouTube service to bring you your local channels and maybe a handful of other channels, but not the big ones. We're not talking about uh, Discovery and... Uh, I'm just going to, I'm throwing out names like AMC, Discovery, stuff like that. It's not going to be on it, which that's what I want. If it was, I I would be customer for life for 30 bucks a month if you gave me my locals over HD and that. I'm in. But I may be in anyway, depending on how they create the package, because I already pay for YouTube Red. Not for the music, but for the YouTube side of it. That money goes to creators and Google, of course, but some of that goes to creators when I watch a YouTube video and I don't get served an ad. So that that YouTube creator gets a little a bit of money from that in that pool of YouTube Red subscriptions. That is $10 a month, and that also gets you uh, Google Play Music. So I listen to it every once in a while, but I just haven't made it my music service of choice because I use the, um, you know, she shoot, she who shall not be named, it's hard to say, um, the keyword service on that cylindrical tube from Amazon. That's what I use, and that's what the whole family uses, honestly. But I'm intrigued by YouTube getting in this game because I, I love YouTube. I love being a creator. I love making content, and I love sharing content with you in video, and I think it's really cool that they're going to come out with a TV product. I think it's the product, if they were able to make it with these big channels, I think it's the product that Steve Jobs thought he nailed way back in the day. But the cable networks will not let these guys nail a product down that that is decent and good and serves the people for 30 bucks a month. They're just not going to do it. You know what? It may even come out to spur along this cable industry in a in a way and a fashion that just drops all these you know two year contract deals for this lower data tier and these lower channel tiers, and then you go up to this ginormous price. You know, my internet has increased. I've been in this house. Well, I've owned it for a year. I haven't been here for a year, but I turned internet on. It's been a year, and my speeds are the same, my service is worse, but my price went up, right? And I now pay $80 a month for, what do I What do I get? 75 megabits down and 20 up. I mean, I don't get anywhere near that, but that's the tiered service that I now pay 75, 80 bucks for a month. So I feel like, isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? And then I would pay $30 to YouTube. I'm paying $100. That's, that's kind of crazy. So, yes, I have qualms about this whole thing. And I would like to be at a lower price point. And honestly, I would love to be faster. right? But I have the speeds that I'm at now are fine. I don't need any faster. I could even reduce. If I could reduce just a little bit and reduce my my the cost out that I'm paying, 
I should do so. And it, it's probably that time where I should call Xfinity and say, hey, I'm paying too much. I'm going to go to these new guys that are laying fiber, which I probably will when they get here. But I'm pretty sure they're going to do the same thing. So if you're lamenting about cutting the cord and are you paying too much and getting too little, join me in the forums. We'll, we'll talk about it. Let's, let's please talk about it. Because everybody has their choice, right? Whether you're doing HDHR, uh, YouTube TV, Plex in the Cloud, there's so many options out there. So many options. TiVo. What's that other thing I used to use? I don't know. There's, there's so many options. But there's something cool I found from Synology, and I'm not sure that they really want me to share this with you, but I'm going to because it's just too cool to keep to myself. There's a URL that Synology uses in their in their NAS to check your IP address. I'm going to click it right now. It's called checkip.synology.com. And all it does is return a white screen in your browser with your IP address, your outside IP address. So if you need your outside IP address, go to checkip.synology.com. Boom. I know there are other services that give you that, right? You can Google it, but there's a trust factor there, right? So I, I'm pretty sure I can trust Synology. Their NAS is calling it. Because I see that because their router tells me the traffic. I see the traffic going there all the time. So what they're doing is I have, you know, you remember the DDNS, DYN, DNS, where it reports your outside IP address and puts that to a friendly domain that you may own, like, hey, you know, bartsimpson.friendlyurl.com. You know, something you can memorize. It's always there even if your outside address changes. You guys know about these services. So I saw that in my router as a, uh, a large particular traffic destination. Thank you, Synology, for reporting that to me. And I'm going to start using it if I ever need, you know, a secure way to check my outside IP address. You guys know that I take up trending tech every once in a while, like you know, drones and things. And I'm usually not first to the game. I'm usually not dead last. But I'm usually not like perfectly first, right? Because it's expensive to do this trending tech stuff. But there's something that's always intrigued me. When I walk the floors of CES, I always like to walk through the 3D printing section. I I'm just so intrigued by this technology and it's gotten so much better over the last couple of years and the prices are coming down and it's, it's, it's amazing what you can do with this technology these days. So I wanted to share something that I found and I just walked through my links real quick and it's not available on Amazon anymore, but it is enable, I mean, it is in stock at monoprice.com. And it's at monoprice because it's the monoprice mini 3D printer. It's theirs. They make it. It's $199.99. $200. Now, I know you can go to crazywebsite.com or amazon.com and you can find 3D printers that get down to the lower price levels. Most of the time, you have to assemble 
those things. But this one you do not have to. It's, I think it's all entry level. I'm not going to tell you this is a pro print printer. It is an entry level, ready to print, out of the box, 3D printer. It's ready to go. It's calibrated. It's, it's ready to print. It comes with an SD card. It comes, I think it comes with filament uh, samples. You're probably going to have to buy some filaments, but you know that's the printer ink of the industry, right? You got to do that. But it's ready to go for $200. And actually, I want someone to buy it and tell me how it works, if it's cool. I so want to get this thing right now. But, you know, as a hobbyist, as an enthusiast, I don't know why I do not own this device already and am printing things. Printing, you know, as a drone flyer, look at the parts I could create for that drone. If I needed a special bracket or some kind of holder thing, I, I don't know why I don't own one. So I'm throwing this out there to you. I would like to... I would like to put this in my trending technology section in the homeservershow.com forums and take a look at this and and get more into this kind of stuff because there are a lot I have a lot of questions and if you are doing this and you know about these things maybe I could come to you maybe you could help us in these forums especially when it comes to the software part of it it's a lot of us out there can say, hey, I just need this little bitty part to do this A to B type thing, but I don't know how to even get started with drafting it up and drawing it, and let alone printing it. I think that is part of the roadblock of this. Now, the last thing I want to do is get a printer like this and buy a bunch of uh, filament and start printing you know, stupid little things. I I say stupid little things. You got to print something. But I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be printing ashtrays and and stupid little trinkets to sit on your desk. Those are cool, but I want to do useful things to help around the house. If I need a part, I print the part. That is just cool. I want to do that. But I too have qualms about my ability to do so. And I don't want $200 to sit and gather dust and just be a party favor when someone comes over. Oh, you got a 3D printer. Make me a Pikachu or, you know, keychain. No, I don't want to do that. I want to print parts. I want to mod things. Do something like that. If you're like that, please join me in my crazy antics out there in those forums. Let's talk about it. Or I'll put the links in the show notes. It's in stock at monoprice.com, but use my link and this is this is going to be cool. I, this is just something cool that we need to do together, right? We need to do this together. Okay, I've kept you for way too long, 42 minutes so far, but I want to get back to, if you're new to this show, every once in a while I will share what I'm reading and today it's going to be not necessarily what I'm reading, but what I'm watching. There's going to be a link in the show notes that's going to take you out to what a fan did to Breaking Bad. So Breaking Bad is like a 63, I think it's 63 episodes, somewhere in the 60s. So that's that's also hours of 
footage. They've compacted this thing down and they're, it, this is how they see Breaking Bad because it takes, you know, you're cutting a lot of footage to move 64, 65 hours of TV into two hours. And that's what they've done. And it's actually kind of cool. It's, yes, it's going to leave out some of your favorites. Yes, it left out some of my favorites, but it gets the job done, right, in two hours. So if you've seen Breaking Bad, go watch this. If you have not seen Breaking Bad, don't watch it. Watch the full thing. You've probably got it on your Netflix or your Amazon account. So once again, this has been Reset. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for your patronage. And don't forget about those stickers. I'm going to think I'm going to get that logo out and push the button and get those ordered. Patreon.com slash David McCabe. Get yours. Leave your address for me. I will come over for dinner and bring you (laughs) a cheap sticker for your patronage. Thank you again. Hey, we'll see you here in a couple weeks. This has been Reset, a member of the Geeks Network. Check out thegeeksnetwork.com for more great podcasts and forums. Reset can be found at mccabe.io, youtube.com slash David McCabe for the videos, and on Twitter at mccabe.io. Intro and outro music by Daryl Lee. Find Daryl Lee at soundcloud.com, Daryl Lee Music. That's D-E-R-L-E-E, music. Support of this podcast can be done at patreon.com slash David McCabe. And if you wouldn't mind, throw a couple stars out there on iTunes if you get a chance to. Thank you for supporting, and I'll see you next week on Reset. Reset.